Well, good day and welcome to all our listeners here at The Middle Podcast. My name is Jim Nelson, and for the next eight minutes or so, I'll be your host as we look back at Pastor Drew's sermon covering a new topic, generosity. Now, I'm hopeful you were able to listen to our Wednesday podcast. It was kind of fun. We talked about ravens. What did Jesus want us to learn about ravens and crows? Because quite honestly, they are the creepiest and most annoying. And now that I think about it, I don't know, maybe seagulls are more annoying, but let's just call them the second most annoying bird ever. But back to our main point, what did Jesus want us to learn? Well, we explored, maybe it was a bit of a bit about their abundance and or their ability to work together and their resourcefulness that Jesus wanted us to observe because, quite honestly, those are descriptors of mankind if we really think about it. For this week's second eight minutes, I'll do it a little bit differently. I'm going to introduce to you the science of generosity. It kind of keeps with our first episode where we saw researchers researching ravens, right? But I'm convinced one thing for sure, scientists will study just about anything in an attempt to discover the reasons why the world is the way it is. Did you ever notice that? I'm sure you have, but if not, I'll give you just a few silly but true examples. In 2017, researchers studied whether the first birds on earth had black feathers. Well, who cares? We all know just by observation that bugs are attracted to lights, but the same year, scientists studied what bugs do when they get to the lights. I didn't read the study, but I could guess they eat or they mate, because what else do bugs do? And one more, researchers at the National Science Foundation spent $856,000 to see if mountain lions could be trained to walk on a treadmill. Okay. But I bring up all that silliness just to make a serious point, though. We study and document data on just about every subject imaginable. So my research this week revealed that there are a few major organizations seriously looking at the science of generosity. One of them, the University of California at Berkeley. They have a Greater Good Science Foundation, the University of Notre Dame Science of Generosity Initiative, and then the John Templeton Foundation. And I'll summarize their multitude of research to say this. Being generous is very good for us. It's kind of simple, but Why not get to the conclusion right off the bat? Being generous is beneficial to humankind. Let's focus first on what is generosity to begin with, because we most likely associate it with giving money away. And that's true, but there's also so much more that these organizations point out. These organizations have shown that that generosity with our time is measurable and beneficial, that generosity of our individual specific abilities that what am I good at? And sharing that can be valuable and desired, as well as sharing generously our ideas or lessons learned or our wisdom. It's all very useful. We can even be generous with our attention, our thoughtfulness, and our spiritual, mental, and physical presence. So much goes into this discussion. So yes, charitable financial giving is important to so many great organizations, including our places of worship. But there's far more to being generous. So take a look at marriages, for example. In 2011, the University of Virginia's National Marriage Project studied generosity in marriages. And in their study, they defined generosity like this. It was defined as the virtue of giving good things to one's spouse freely and abundantly, like simply making them coffee in the morning. And researchers quizzed men and women on how often they behaved generously toward their partners. 
How often do they express affection? How willing are, were they to forgive? All generous acts, right? Well, here's their findings, and I'm, re- I'm reading straight from their report. Men and women with the highest scores on the generosity scale were far more likely to report that they were very happy in their marriages. Among the parents who posted above average scores for marital generosity, about 50% reported being very happy together. Among those with the lower generosity scores, well, you kind of expect only about 14% claim to be very happy. This data led marriage and counselor researcher John Gottman to find that successful couples say or do at least five positive things for each negative interaction with each other. Seems like a lot of work, but so, so worth it. Let's move on to another topic. Is generosity a natural behavior in humankind or a learned behavior? Now, that's an interesting question for me personally, because to consider how I grew up, well, I've got to be honest, because my wife Kristen might listen to this podcast, I grew up probably not the most generous young man in the world. Let's just say that. Probably not the most generous. After we got married, Kristen got to work on many things in my life, but noteworthy today is my generosity. And one of the things she did, just a small thing, but, but after time, I can say it really had an impact. She taped a little card to our bathroom mirror that quoted 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a cheerful giver, a happy giver. This leads us back to our question, does being charitable make me happy, which is kind of the, the natural response, or does my happiness cause me to be charitable? And that's more of a learned response. The research suggests both. There's data that shows generosity is prevalent when giving kind of in a natural way to people we're related to or repaying generosity when we've been shown generosity and when it's expected in a common social activity. And I'll just give you an example um, that I came up with to make it a little bit more understandable. Let's say the Nelson family and another family in our neighborhood all go over to spend time with an elderly shut-in together. We all participate That's the expectation of the group. But there's good news that human generosity is prevalent with the opposite of these categories, and that's kind of the learned response, right? Humankind is characteristically generous to those we aren't necessarily close to or know at all. Oftentimes, we give without expectation of ever getting anything in return. Or we give in a way that is spontaneous and surprising as opposed to being planned and expected. What makes it possible to be generous in all these different categories? I think it's because a couple of characteristics of God that he has implanted deep inside our hearts. God is relational, so he's made us relational. God is empathetic, and he's made us empathetic. Real quick, as we finish, why these characteristics of God are important for us to grasp in ourselves? We're not islands. We're communities, right? Yes, alone time is great, quiet time is awesome, but we seem to be at our best when we are involved and we prioritize relationship in our marriages, in our families, in our places of worship. Genuine relationship is so beneficial. And finally, empathy. Now that one is pretty easy to see. God displayed empathy for the human condition by sending his son, Jesus, to walk in our shoes, to experience the pressures that we experience, to feel the oppression that we sometimes feel oppressed by, and in all of that, to show us what generosity looks like, to give himself for the sake of the others, and not because he felt sorry for us, but because he walked in our shoes and loved us. 
My time's up. Thanks for listening to some of the science of generosity. No beakers, no test tubes, no microscopes, just scientific data. And I'm hopeful just a little bit of knowledge can go a long way as we move into a season of generosity. See you next week. Thank you for listening to The Middle Podcast today. If you liked our conversation, please let others know and where they can find us. 